Anyway, um, so so glad to be here, and I'm especially feeling blessed today. I've got some friends of ours that are here. The Boyers are here, Bev and Charity. I was Charity's youth pastor 21 years ago. And now, I'm so glad they're here. It's just so good. We've been talking about being blessed. We've been talking about the blessed life. But before I do that, I got one more announcement. We've been announcing Summer Blast for the last month or so, and we've made a change. I had to make one of those pastoral calls. Turned to your neighbor and said, he did that. I'm glad you're agreeing. But this is what I had to do. I had to make a change because we got some awesome opportunities. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be sharing those with the body of what God is doing. But, uh, and we had to make a shift and had to make a change and I had to make a decision. So rather than Summer Blast, a three-day kid blowout on the, I want to say it's the 20th of August, we're going to have a, uh, a uh, Sunday blast back in the max and we're going to be doing some things. There's just, you, the kids won't want to miss that. There's going to be great opportunities before they go back to school and we're going to do our best to just really honor your children and, and make that just one amazing day. So uh, we had to do that because we got to focus our attention on the things that have come up that we're dealing with in a good way. And like I said, in just a few weeks, we're going to be sharing that with you. And so uh, just hang on to your hats and you're in the right place at the right time. God's doing good things. And so we want to talk this morning again about blessed life. I've got one more of this series that's next week. I'm going to put everything together. I'm going to show you how this thing works. We're going to put it all together this week. We're going to talk about it in the notes. If you go on a, if you have a version app on your phone, if you go into that, you can get all the notes on that version app and uh, you can copy those and put them in your notes or however you want to do it. This is giving or keeping, uh, or you can, you know, so we're going to talk about that. Our, our scriptures are John 12, one through eight and Mark 14, eight through nine, or excuse me, three through nine. We're going to, those are our main scriptures for today. But we've been talking about these things, and we're already getting testimonies of things coming in where people are like, this is working, I'm doing things. I, some of y'all are, are just like, I'm getting that, I'm, I'm giving now. And before we talked about it, it's possible to give but not really be tithing because we weren't giving God the first portion and the first fruit. And we talked about that first portion, redeeming the rest. And we've talked about our heart, and we don't give to get. It's, it's, and I'll explain some of that at the end of this message. But we give because it's not ours. It's God's. And so we've been talking about that. And we found out that faith works every time when we start giving and doing what God is telling us to do, not just monetarily, but in our, in our hearts and our actions. So our message today is in starting with John chapter 12. But I want to kind of preface it just a little bit in, in 11... Now, this is where Lazarus got raised from the dead. And now two months have gone by, and we're picking this up in chapter 12 of John. So just kind of in your mind, think back. This just happened a couple months ago, and now everybody's getting together uh, for lunch or dinner or something here. So here we go on into the message. This is John 12, 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor, you think that'd be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, This perfume, now I almost wanted to change my voice and go, This perfume. <laughs> that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold with money given to the poor. 
Not that he cared about the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So it gives us a picture of two hearts, a giving generous heart and a self or selfish stingy heart. Both hearts are, are being shown for us here on display. So how do you see somebody's heart? How do you know? You know, sometimes there are people out there and you know they can say one thing, but man, they cannot really mean it. Oh, I just love your hair. Hate her hair. You know, you know what I'm talking about. There are people out there that they just don't really. So how do you see a heart? How do you show off your treasure? That's how it happens. And I'm going to give you the answer. Anything to do with giving, not just money, but just in your in yourself, in the way that you respond and how you love or take care of people or how you give them courtesy or honor will show you your heart. If there's somebody that's always been mean to you or they're just nasty and you don't want to deal with them, you're going to show that because you're going to be like, talk to the hand. I don't want to talk to you. So we can find our heart in ways that we give in our actions, not just in our finances. Makes me think of a couple of things. Why did Martha, why did she do so much? Why? Why did she break the whole jar? Why did she give so big? And the other thing is, why did it tick Judas off? What's this got to do with him? She's not doing anything to his feet. So what makes him so mad? So this is our first thought this morning. The opposite of giving would be taking. Or, how about this, just keeping. The opposite of giving would be taking or keeping. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. Everybody is born selfish. Some of the first words we used outside of dad and mom are mine. What happens is a lot of times when we grow older, we don't outgrow that. That's mine. Leave it alone. That's mine. Mine. Selfishness is one of the most difficult things to deal with in a marriage. You have your money. I have my money. This is my stuff. This is your stuff. Listen how quiet it is. Don't elbow your husband and go, do you hear what he's saying? Better be taking notes. I want you to check out these four P's of selfishness. Selfishness powers itself. In other words, it looks out for itself. It's going to make sure it has its own. It promotes itself. It's all about me. It can't be about it. It's got to be about me. It protects itself. I'm going to get what's mine. Make sure that I have what's, what is mine. I, I need my share. And it provides for itself. It doesn't matter what you get as long as I get mine. If you get none, sorry about your luck. Here's the problem. That's God's job. Selfishness wants to take the place of God. It's God's job. God does all that. He supplies. He gives power. He promotes. He, he helps you. He gives you those raises. He puts you where you need to be. You see, it can become a stronghold, and a stronghold, a definition of that is a fortified place for the enemy. Some of us, it's easy to have strongholds, especially... Can I go a little? Okay. You know, there's times you get with your family, you'll only see them once or twice a year during maybe Thanksgiving, Christmas, maybe Easter. You'll go, you'll have 
You want to have a holiday with them, but you don't want to go on vacation with them. Because it's really going to stretch your love. Oh, help me, Jesus. We went on vacation one time, <clears throat> and we had some family with us um, that was just made it hard. Nobody in here. Um, but and, and they're good people, don't get me wrong, but... My grandmother, who's who's now not with us anymore, um, she had a, you know, we get groceries and everybody just eats whatever they want because it's vacation. You know, you just go in there, sweet. If you're like a, me, I was just a kid. So, you know, man, if they're buying good stuff, I'm like, I want some of that. And so, you know, I'd be, oh, man. Well, one of the family members was just adamant, this is your shelf. This is our shelf. This is their shelf. You don't eat off our shelf. We won't eat off your shelf. My grandma was like, ah, this is family. I don't care what shelf you eat off of. So we had to cross that bridge, so to speak. Everybody's still friends. Of course, grandma's passed away, so it doesn't matter. She's in heaven. But what I'm telling you is this. God wants you to be free from strongholds. There's going to be people that are just going to rub you the wrong way. You, you might... Love them for God, but you don't like them very much. Can I get an amen for that? And it doesn't mean you got to hang out with them all the time, but it does mean I don't want a stronghold. It means that I've got to just say, okay, I've got to deal with them, figure this out. Judas uses this excuse. Why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? Have you ever said anything like that? I think we all have, if we're really honest. We've all probably crossed that or we've seen something and thought, oh, wow, that's too much. You know, think of how many people they could have helped with that. There's a pastor and he's driving around and he's got another pastor with him. And they, they look over and they see this really beautiful house. And this pastor that's in the passenger side, if I get all my peas right, said, look at that house. Look how huge that is. He doesn't need a house like that. And the pastor said, listen, I know the guy that lives in that house. He is a man of God. He is the most generous guy, one of the most generous guys I've ever met. And this guy in the passenger side says, he should sell that house and give it to the poor. And the pastor turned around and said, why don't you sell your house and give it to the poor? And the guy's like, what? He said, you don't really mean that because you won't even do it yourself. Where that phrase came, we just read. That phrase originated from Judas. Judas. You see, we start judging all of this stuff. But I'm telling you what the pastor told the other guy. He said, you know, and this isn't about amounts. We're never in comparing. It doesn't matter. You know, you just got to do what God tells you to do. But percentage wise, he said, I'll bet you this guy would do circles around you because he will give anything God tells him to. It doesn't matter to him because it's not his. And the guy quickly was like, well, what? And he said, and you know who originated that statement was Judas. And the guy goes, "Okay, I'm sorry. And I started realizing that, and I thought, Lord, I've probably done that myself. I don't need a stronghold like that. Judas is trying to cover up his own selfish motives because what he's doing, we just read that too, he's dipping in the box. And he's pointing a finger at somebody else because they have a big heart and they want to help. The disciples were always saying, hey, are you going to, it's time to set up your kingdom, especially now. Jesus, it's time to set up your kingdom. And Jesus basically says, me and dad will tell you when it's time. You just kind of stay focused. 
And this is what's happening in Christianity today. This is what's happening in places all across that. We are always about, I mean, we want to be at TLC. We want to be about, God, what can we do for you? But we see what's being preached is, man, you do this and look, God, what can you do for me? Because we've got this motive in our mind. If we give, we'll get. And we, we have our heart saying, I just want to give because I want to get. That's not how it works. It's about a pure heart. We don't get, we don't get the spirit of getting. We give because it's not ours. That first illustration, I gave Scott $40 at the beginning of service. I said, when I ask for it, bring it down to me. And so I said, I need 40 bucks for lunch. You, I mean, from my point, you should see your faces because he comes out and goes, here's $40. I folded it up and I stuck it in my pocket. Some of you are like, no, no big deal. Others are like, did you see what he just did? He took that $40. He just took it. I'd like to get up and say, I need $40. And my point was, I gave it to Scott before the service. And I told him in the service, I'm going to ask for it back. So then the illustration was, was Scott doing what he was told? Yeah, what did he do? He just gave it back. Why? Because that's what you told him. Yes. Was he sad? No. Why? Wasn't his money. The illustration is this. What you have is not yours. It's all God's. So God isn't after a selfish heart. I mean, he is to the point he wants you to be generous, to have a giving heart. But we're being taught this in places all over the world today. What's in it for me? When are we going to be, God, what do you want me to do? How can I help you? What do you want me to do? How's it going to benefit your kingdom? Where are the people like that? Because let me tell you something, Jesus is totally invested into you. So much that he died for you. God gave everything he had. His tithe was Jesus, his first son, his portion, so that you could live forever with him. That's a pretty good deal. Judas was kind of acting like Smeagol from The Lord of the Rings. The precious. Why does she do that the precious? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Took me a long time to study that. No. <laughs> Let me just ask you this question. Who made G- Judas the treasurer? Who's in charge of these guys? Jesus. Judas made, you know, was made treasurer by Jesus. And then you start thinking, didn't Jesus know what he's like? The Bible says that you, God knew who you were before you were formed in your mother's womb. And a year before this time, Jesus, Jesus says this. He said, I've picked 12 of you, but one of you is a devil. I submit to you today that he knew. He knew. Then you want to go, then why? He didn't set him up to fail. He set him up to succeed. I believe that Jesus, according to the scripture... According to what God says, he loves everybody that none should perish. I think he was saying, Judas, here's a chance for you, man. Here's a way. I think he set him up so that even though he's going to be tempted, he could have succeeded. How many knows that life gives you choices? First Corinthians 10 through 13 says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he'll show you your way out so you can endure. You might be tempted in areas you're weak, but God's always going to give you a way of escape. And I, I know we're all human. There's been times you've been 
tempted and you should have taken the way and you didn't. I got the t-shirt on that. But aren't you glad for grace? Aren't you glad for mercies that are new every morning? Let's tie this in with tithing. Let's, let's just pull this in and rein this in a little bit to see what God's trying to tell us. Judas is taking money from the offering box. Jesus is traveling around preaching the kingdom. He's teaching about God. He's showing people. He's healing people. He's doing all these things. People are giving to that ministry, and Judas is stealing from that. Nobody here would take God's money out of the offering box or the bucket or whatever, would we? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't usually see it. There's been parodies or comedies written on that, you know, where people are like, oh, great. Look, can I make change? Or, you know, those kind of things. And we have all those kind of things and we laugh and all that. But nobody would actually do that. But let me ask you this question. Nobody would take or keep money as the the bag or the box or whatever they're passing went by. Because that would make us a thief. Now, see how quiet it is because people are like, I don't like you saying that. Listen to me. Is there much difference between taking or just keeping? It just saves you a step. You didn't have to take it. You just kept it. You didn't have to put it. You just didn't put it in. Listen to what I'm, before you turn me off, listen. It's not ours. It's God's. And we have to understand in this principle, everybody, I want, I want the blessed life. I want God to bless me. He's going to do that. There are things in our lives we've got to make sure that we come in line with him. God says in Malachi, you're robbing from me. Here's our second thought. It's bigger than you. Big is not really determined by the amount. Big is really with, with the heart. What, what, you know, you've heard what's junk to one man can be treasure to another. What may be not a big deal to some could be a big deal to somebody else. People in back in the Bible times, there's that story of the people that were throwing on all kinds of money but then the widow's might remember she just put in just like a couple pennies but that was huge to her it wasn't even comparison to the other but it's not about comparing money it was about heart it was about obedience this the bible says that this perfume was one year's wage they talk about denarii and they're talking about one day's wage and there's 300 of them after the Sabbaths and holidays during this time frame. So it's about one year's wage. So she gave an offering of a year's salary to the Lord. I think we could all say that's pretty huge. God just said, hey, I want you to take all this, give that to me right now. That would be tough. But she did. She didn't save any back. She didn't say, well, I'm going to give this much. But God, I'm not going to give you all of it because I'd like to. She just said, I'm going to do what he said. It would be a big deal. Let me ask you this. What could we do that would be impressive to God to give him? So before you turn me off, just listen to me. Because every time people talk about money, people get upset. It gets real quiet. So I just want you to listen to me. Okay, I'm not, I'm not pressuring you. I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm just trying to tell you something. What could we outgive? What could we do? God, I want to impress God. I want to impress it. Let me just say, if you think about heaven, the Bible describes heaven. The streets are made of gold. He just paved the streets with it. He's got gates with just pearls because they're just lying around. We've got to put them somewhere. Hey, that's a good place. I mean, it's just amazing. So literally, anything I give, how is that going to compare? Because it's not about monetary amount. It's about your heart. I want to show you something that I think you're really going to like and you're going to appreciate. 
<clears throat> Do you know there's no potholes in heaven? I just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> okay, 2 Corinthians 8, uh, 3 through 5. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. That's important that you read that. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift to the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. The answer is right there. If you want to give something to God that he really wants, he wants you. That's what he wants. You are the true riches in heaven. He wants you. He wants you to give yourself to him. Lord, take me, take all of me. When I was a, a little kid, I remember, how many remember, like, if you're old school, 99.5% won't do. We need 100% of you. God wants all of you. And I, I never really understood that. I was kind of like, how could you give only part of you? I was just a kid. But what God is saying, I want all of you. I want all of you. Let me just say this, though. If he has all of you, he has your wallet, too. It comes with you, whether it's in your purse, in your pocket, because it's not yours. When we begin to say, God, you're the, you get my first portion, you get my first fruit, you are number one in my life. That's the most important gift you can give him is yourself. You can't say, God, you can have all of me except my money. God says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Remember we talked about that, it gets misquoted a lot. A lot of times people flip it around where your heart lies, your treasure lies. That's not how it reads. It's where your treasure lies, your heart lies. Your treasure always leads your heart. Your heart always follows your treasure. Remember when we talked about that? You want to have a better family? Then, then put some treasure in your family. Start investing time. I'm sorry, I can't go golfing today. I've got to do this. I can't go play badminton today. Not that you play badminton. I don't know. I, you know, I can't go shopping today. I've got to spend some time with my kids or... You know, whatever that is, and it doesn't mean any of those things are wrong. It just means what are you investing in? What's your treasure? If it's the kingdom of God, your, your heart will follow that. According to surveys, most believers don't do what we're about to talk about. There are three levels of giving in the Bible that the Bible talks about. We've talked about that tithing. That's the first one. Offering, that's the second one. And three is like this lady, crazy, I can't believe you're asking me to do that. That hurts. Please don't ask me to do that, but I need to do that giving. Those ones that are just like, ah, God, that can't be you. Statistics say this, that out of 100 people, 5 to 7% tithe. So out of 100 people, 5 people are tithers. They'll give God first portion, first fruit. They'll give him 10%. Let me just explain uh, you know, tithing is you can't designate the tithe. It's your gross, what you come in and you give that the first portion. That's what tithing is. Five out of a hundred. Think about that. What happens if, if a hundred out of a hundred do that or 75% out of a hundred, we wouldn't have to have any kind of fundraising, anything. We would be able to help as many poor as that could even come in. We would be able to help any widows. We'd be able to repair houses. Look at the streets of Marion. They just need somebody to love them. But people love to control. 
we want to say, I want to get this, I want to give a portion of my tithe here. You cannot designate your tithe. Tithing is returning. Now, you can designate your offering. I want to help this ministry, this Christian school. I want to give to this, I want to give to that. You can do all of that. That's an offering. Tithing is simply returning to God. Let me just explain this. Every person that gets to the first level, if they tithe, they go to the second level. They give offering. Every person that goes to the first level ends up going to the second level because the curse is removed, the devourer is rebuked. That's the only place in the Bible where it says God will rebuke the devourer. And the windows of heaven are opened. Blessing and favor and things start happening. So everyone that does level one experiences level two because then they're like, oh, wow. This is working, and then they give more. They, the Lord says, would you give $10 over here, or would you do this? And they say yes, and then they start experiencing the blessing of God. The people that never get to the first level never live with the curse removed, never. They never have the devourer rebuked, never. They never have the windows of heaven opened, never. They live in never-never land. And it's going to take more than pixie dust to get them out of there. Remember the girl that anointed Jesus' feet? She went to the third level. Not everybody's going to get to that level. And it, it, this isn't about you don't make heaven if you're not at this level. Or That's not what I'm talking about. There'll be people that'll ask me questions like this. If I don't tithe, can I still make heaven? Well, this isn't an eternal, this isn't a heaven issue. This is just being able to be blessed while you're here issue. I think you need to. I think it would be, it'd be good for you to do that. I think it's the command of God. That, that last level, that crazy level of almost, Lord, I don't want to do that. I mean, sometimes it doesn't even, doesn't, it's hard to compute. There have been times that God has told Kim and I to give, and we've had to go to that, that level, and, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. No, no, that can't be you. And God would continue to push, you need to, give that, you need to give this truck here. You need to give that car there. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And I would tell her, and she would say, you need to do that. We need to do what God says. You almost want her to go, no, that can't be God. You want to go, right on, get it right there. That's good. She's not. She's like, oh, okay. I mean, she's been, she's been in places, and she's, you know, I love your purse. And God says, give it to him. She's, I've... And then she's walking with all her purse stuff. Where's your purse? I don't know. She's got it. We were in a church, and it was cold out. She said, you know, and this guy, every week, every week, he came up and goes, man, I like your sport coat. Oh, okay. He would ask me for it every week. Now, I'm, maybe it's, see, God needs to work on me. Because I'm just not of the nature of like, get your own sport coat, dude. Sporty. And he's, I like your sport coat. And one, you know, the Lord, after he'd leave, the Lord would say, you can just give him the sport coat. I said, yeah, I could, but I ain't going. <laughs> and one Sunday he came up and he said, man, I like that sport coat. And the Lord said, give it to him. So I just took it off. I said, try it on. He tried it on. He's like, oh, that's nice. You know, I felt like I'm Smeagol. I'm the precious. But I'm like, okay. I said, it's yours. That dude didn't even flinch, man. He's like, thanks. And walked away. And Kim sees me and she said, 
where's your coat? I said, here, it goes right there. But you know what? It was just maybe a week or two after that. Somebody came up and said, the Lord told me I'm supposed to take you to Schottensteins and buy you some suit coats. Does that make any sense to you? What I'm telling you is, when we start living the way God wants us to live, it's an amazing ride. I haven't always made it easy for God, because like I said, I ain't giving him my sport coat. But I did. So this lady anoints Jesus' feet. She didn't know what she was giving it for. She just was doing what she was supposed to do. She was being obedient. Jesus says, leave her alone. She did this for my burial. And remember now, this is the only anointing that his body got. Because if you remember what happened, he got taken. He got mocked, beaten, and crucified. And they had to get him off the cross, get him in the tomb. They didn't have any time to anoint his body. And the story in the Bible says that the ladies were coming that Sunday morning on Easter to anoint his body because they had no time to do it before. And Jesus is saying, he's already prophesying. He's saying, she's doing this for my burial. She didn't know that. She just is saying, I got to do what God's got. He wants me to do. Now, I'm just saying, living the life of faith and saying, God, I just want to be blessed is an amazing thing. I've got a story in my notes. It talks about a, a widow woman that went to her pastor and she said, could you just have the, the people pray for me? Because, you know, since my husband has passed away, it's been really hard. And, and now the mortgage company said, we have, I have to pay the whole mortgage or I'm about to lose my house. And she cried. She said, this is the only thing I have. It is it. I don't have anything else. He didn't leave anything he wasn't good with this money i don't know what i'm going to do and you know my kids can't help me i don't know what to do and the pastor said how much is the mortgage and so she wrote it down on a piece of paper and was crying and slid the paper over to him and he assured her, he said well we're going to be praying i'm going to be believing god with you for a miracle and so the widow woman left the next day a couple came in and said pastor we need to see you they he said what's the matter and they said, well, we're really troubled. We don't know, if, you know, we feel God this, but we're not sure. We, ha- we, we got this huge bonus. And we keep feeling, both of us keep feeling we're supposed to give it to you, to the church. But we're, we're just, we're struggling with it. I mean, should we just give a percentage? Or we, we kind of feel like we're supposed to give the whole thing. He said, well, how much is it? So they told him, and he pulled out the piece of paper, and it was the exact amount of the penny. To the penny of the paper and he shared that story and they both cried and you know everybody and and the woman got her house and she was able to keep that and i you know and i'm sure god blessed this couple for being obedient you see living that kind of life is amazing when god starts doing things and he after all isn't he the guy that owns it all there's another pastor there you know god said you need to you know he was given cars away because god would tell him he said you need to sell the van he said, I don't want to sell the van because he kind of was like, I like giving things away, God, because he'd give one away and somebody give him another car. That's what happened to Kim and I. We gave a truck away. Somebody gave me something else. I gave that away. Somebody gave me something else. But anyway, so he says, I want to give it away. And God says, no, you need to sell it and you need to sell it for $12,000. He said, $12,000. He says, you know, God said $12,000. So he went to church and some dude Walks up and says, want to buy your van? Is it for sale? And he goes, yeah. Give you $12,000 for it. Sold. They just left the next day. They're going the next day on a missions trip. And they're in this rickety old bus 
you know, going across, you know, the trails of Uganda or something. And, and the missionary is, you know, telling him about their ministry. And he said, you know what? We're believing God for a new vehicle. This one's falling apart. You could see the road beneath their feet. Is this falling apart? He said, but, you know, in the big city, I've got my eye on a van there that'll carry a bunch of people. And we were believing God for that. You know how much the van was? $12,000. He said, do you know how cool it was to be able to, let's go get that van and just write that out. I'm telling you, folks, you need to hear me. This isn't about saying, well, I need, it's not about the amount. There's not a certain amount that's going to trigger God. It's about your heart. It's about just saying, God, I want to be obedient to you. I want to do what you want me to do. Here's our last thought today. There's the perks of giving. We don't give to get, but because we give, because we do what he says, he just blesses us. I, you know, my kids don't have to do it. I will bless them no matter what, because they're my what? They're my kids. I love them. So as they do things that are right, it is, it is an honor to help them. Look at Mark 14, 3 through 9. This is the other part of that. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar, poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. Could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly, but Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She's done what she could do as what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. See, this is the same story in Matthew. This is just the other version Poured on his feet, poured on his head. What I'm saying is, she's just being obedient. Why would she do the whole bottle? Why didn't she save any back? And I'm just telling you right now, because her brother had been raised two months earlier. She's got a different perspective than some others sitting at the table. You see, he was dead for four days. He's sitting there eating right now. Do you understand? That's huge. You're about to hear a testimony from Amy to see Frutiger in just a couple weeks, you're going to be like, what? Mind blown. It's huge. I'm just saying, living God's way, you cannot beat it. You cannot beat it. We were pastoring up north. <clears throat> we had two acres of land. Two acres. Outside in the country. Not too far from some kind of a... Uh, what was kind of a place we smelled? Junk dump somewhere a few miles away was a dump and if the wind blew right woo, nice but anyway make a long story short you don't know some of that stuff till you move in somewhere you know but anyway my i didn't have a mower i had a and i didn't have a mower make a long story short i needed a mower so i started pricing them i started going by faith i didn't know what i know now but i started saying oh god i need a mower I didn't know I could speak to the mountain. I was really telling God about my mountain instead of telling my mountain about my God. So I had it kind of backwards, but Lord was still listening. Aren't you glad for God that takes care of you? But anyway, I started saying, God, we, you know, we need a mower. We need a mower. So I went and looked at one, and there was a John Deere mower. And it was, you know, green and yellow. And it was, I never had a John Deere. I always thought rich people had John Deeres. And I'm like, man, that's cool. And it was used. 
and, and they wanted $900 for it. And the lady that, that sold it to me, she, she wasn't really the friendliest person ever. But, you know, it is what it is. So, you know, I was like, oh, all right. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't, you know, but our yard was growing. And, you know, I had people that were um, <laughs> telling me stuff like this. Well, you know, you just get your goat and you just take it and stick it in the ground. It'd just chew about 20 feet. And you can always move the stake. You need to go home. You need some ointment on your head or something. Because nobody wants to do that. I need a mower, man. I need a mower. So I started believing God. And you know, I got a card in the mail. Don't know who sent it. Don't know what happened. We didn't announce it from the pulpit. I didn't go around saying, I need a mower. Oh, God. I didn't cry. I mean, I'm just talking to God. And it said, here, Pastor, I was supposed to give this to you. And it was $1,000. What is the tithe off of $1,000? $100. What was the mower? $900. I went and was able to pay cash for that mower. So I'm just telling you, when you start doing things like that, and God just, you know, and then boom, I'm, I'm out there now. Before, I was trying to mow two acres of yard that was grown up this way with the push mower. That's going to take a long time. But I was determined. And I think people just felt sorry for me. That's where the goat story came. Get your goat. But I got that John Deere and I'm doing green acres is the place to be. Farm living is the life for me. Land spread now so far and wide. You know, you're just, I'm waving at everybody going by on the road because I'm driving my God mower. And I rode that mower into the ground. We got our next house and it had, I was mowing like five or six acres and I'm, I'm till till john gave up his deer and then god provided something else for me and i still have that one to this day but i'm telling you living the way god wants you to live there's nothing like it there's nothing like it your perspective will change and it's impossible to please god hebrews eleven six without faith anyone who wants to come to him must believe that god exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him the, the new king james or the king james may say uh, rewarded and the word rewarder or rewarder in your bible it's not uh it's the only time it's in the bible it's not in the dictionary and it's two greek words put together and this is what it means one of them means to hire or pay wages due to a person the other is to give extravagantly over and above what's normally due that person so god basically says if you're seeking me and your heart is pure i'm going to bless you and more than what you even think i'm going to bless you more than what you deserve I'm just going to bless you. So let me put it to you this. God cannot not reward you. He's going to reward you. If your heart is pure and you're just being obedient, he's going to reward you. You will be rewarded. And let me put it to you this way. You're going to get rewarded and there's nothing I can do about it. I can't stop it. And let me tell you this. If your heart's pure, the enemy can't stop it because God will rebuke him. So you need to listen to that. When we start doing what God is wanting us to do, we start living for God. We start saying, God, I'll just do whatever you say. I mean, we've done stuff that I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. And yet, in just a couple days, someone shows up and says, I don't know, the Lord told me to do this, told me to do that. And you just sit there and go, how did that happen? I'm going to say this story and then I'm done, okay? And we're going to close this up. My, my oldest is right here, Mallory. All of my kids gladly give my life for her. Mallory, you know, started watching us in the principles of faith and she was learning that all the kids are learning all of that stuff And she believed dad she had a it was a Well, matter she wanted a car and she believed for it. So she had a picture of it It was a little white sports car 
It was two-door, it was a little Honda Del Sol. Okay, sounds all, Del Sol, is whatever that is. But anyway, she was believing for just a little white sports car. And so she sowed a seed, believed God. And just the principles we've been teaching you. And the car dealer calls me, that's a friend of mine, and says, hey, we got a car in here. I don't know if you want it. And this is what I said to him. I said, let me guess. It's white. It's a sports car. He goes, have you been by the lot? I said, no. He said, yeah, it just came in today. He said, you said your daughter was looking for a car. I just thought maybe it'd be one she wanted. I said, we'll be by. And she ended up buying that car. How do things like that happen? Why couldn't the car, the money in the car had been $200 instead of 1000 You got to start asking yourself. That obedient, that giving heart, the one that Judas had, the display of those. God, which one would you rather be? I'd rather be the giving one. Because I don't want to take or keep stuff that's not mine. I want to just, God, I want you to have it. I want you, whatever you want, whatever you tell me. And you start living that life, your life will be changed forever. God will start doing things in your life and you just give him the credit and the glory for it. Because I stand in front of you today as a man that has been blessed by Almighty God. And I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm so glad to be in his kingdom and to be working for him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please?